0: On the Pilot TV Podcast this week, we are diving back into the MCU for the arrival of Miss Marvel on Disney+, Plus, bridging the divide between minors and murder in Sherwood on BBC One, and finding the time to talk about time in The Lazarus Project on Sky. And speaking of which, the show's stars Papa Asiedu and Angeline Mohindra join us on the show to talk all about The Lazarus Project and saving the world then doing it again. Uh, But that's not all, because we also have the captain of the Enterprise, Christopher Pike, a.k.a. Anson Mount, who joins us to talk about the triumphant return of all things Trek and the original Enterprise in Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters, and a podcast that is still trying to recover from seeing new footage from the second seasons of both Warrior Nun and Fate the Wink Saga, in a single week uh no one of course is more excited than my two co-hosts winx obsessive boyd hilton and pilot tv's very own warrior nun beth
1: webb <laughs> i mean they will take that knowing absolutely nothing about the show
0: <laughs> which one was winks again <laughs> winks are the one with the fairies boyd you remember the magic fairies you oh, watched yeah. all of it yeah I exactly so you remember. watched the whole series i know yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. With the Fire Fairy. Remember Bloom the Fire Fairy? Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember. I there remember you Bloom. go. Yeah. And then Warrior Nun was that inexplicably Spanish one. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, we remember <laughs> yeah. Warrior Nun. No, no one
2: will ever forget Warrior Nun.
0: Yes, yes. Which looked like a great big Desigual advert. Yes. Oh, my God, Desigual! Did we I discuss Desigual yes. originally? The world's worst clothes <laughs> shop. Yeah. The Spanish yeah. Mr. Pirates. It, it was quite it was quite a yeah. fun show. It was one of these things people were saying, like, I think I think with Warrior Nun, we bought into the concept far more than the execution. We were like, Yeah, we're here for this amazing show. Is it amazing? I don't know, but it's about yeah. a Warrior Nun. Um also Terry was really excited by it, and I think that helped. I suspect Beth will be a little bit more measured. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> but other than Warrior Nuns and indeed Warrior Fairies, uh, what have we been watching this week?
1: Oh well gay. Okay. Um, Go on. I, I went in on one of Boyd's growing recommendations and watched Life and Life and Beth. Life After Beth. No, Life After Beth is the zombie film. Life and Life Beth, and Life yeah. Life and Beth. And Beth is the yeah. Amy Schumer uh, very sweet Disney comedy drama. Um, which I really enjoyed. I don't know what I've done. I'm going to squash the surprise that that really came across in that then because I had no doubt in my mind uh, based on what Bob was saying it was going to be great. Uh, and, it, and it just really was. Um, I don't know. I've always had – I really liked Amy Schumer when she kind of came out and broke out and then I, I sort of squandered a little bit. But I think she's coming back to form now. I think she's found a new voice and is using that in really interesting, funny ways. Um there's some really interesting stuff in this kind of childhood flashback narrative, which I actually don't mind. I know we we are collectively very against hmm. flashbacks and such, but I think it was really, really, really good. Great supporting cast. I do feel like she just wrote in David Byrne so she could hug David Byrne, which I have absolutely no problem with yeah. whatsoever. Um he's in two scenes and yeah, she just she just hugs him in one. So it was really nice. But yeah, I was I was really on board with it, really, really on board.
2: Michael Serra, I really liked. I thought he was, yes. he was great, yeah.
1: He was amazing. It's this yeah. kind of introverted well very introverted, um, love interest.
2: Yeah, I think based on her actual husband, I believe. I think. Oh really? Uh, elements of him, yeah. I think elements yeah. of him. Yeah, I think so. I think I read that. Oh,
1: that adds I oh, wish you'd know that going in because that sort of adds something to yeah. that I think. That's very, very sweet. Yeah. Um and it is sort of yeah, kind of a addressing the ins and outs of how to communicate with somebody who is introverted and just sort of says things without sort of recognizing all the social context, all the time around it. I thought that was handled really well. Yeah, I thought it was great.
2: Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it, yeah. 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 Um, Before I tell you what I've been watching, a quick shout out to a guy who um, uh, DM'd me on Instagram, Matt Chechin, I think you pronounce it. Um, I think he's in Australia, one of our Australian listeners. Who says, just wanted to let you know how much we enjoy you on the pilot podcast as we drive for hours and hours around Australia towing our caravan. My boyfriend has been listening to you, me, for years. However, I've only just had the pleasure of you for the last few months. Please keep putting shit on James as it truly adds to the value of the show. Keep up the great work. Sign Matt Brent and our dog Jasper, who also isn't a fan of James.
3: Now, I
2: don't know how Jasper's dislike of James manifests itself,
1: (laughs) but I'm kind of intrigued
2: to find out. Yeah. I would so personally
1: Jas- like a picture of Jasper, Jasper listening to James cute. with yeah. like a little look of disdain on his face as James is like, I think you're finding. What
0: did I do to piss <laughs> off Jasper?
1: <laughs> I mean, God knows. God
0: knows.
2: Yeah, but really but the
1: you- they recognise evil in like danger in people, don't yeah. they? They're yeah. just
0: good, Definitely. good judges of character. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it
3: seems, seems a evil, little
2: harsh. Evil, evil <laughs> sniffer outer.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: Um, all right so fine. yeah, Australian listening, but great, great, generally great that we get listened to on Australia, James. I mean, you must be happy with that. they yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Do you think it's yeah. because I didn't like the tourists? Do you reckon that's that's the whole? Oh, that's yeah, that the that source of exactly all of all of exactly what it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. And of yeah. course you were wrong. You were absolutely wrong about that. That's um <laughs> Yeah. So wrong. <laughs> I I have finished. Um in the in the series we review and finish um Strand, everything I know about love.
0: Um, all oh, seven episodes. I haven't I haven't watched any more of it yet. What was it like? It's
2: absolutely
0: brilliant. I think it Oh is it? it? Really,
2: okay, I thought yeah. you were gonna go the other way then. No. Okay. Okay. no. It's really get it really hits its stride, I would say, kind of halfway through, three four episode three four. Mm. Belle Powley, honestly, and we 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 touched upon it in the original review, is phenomenal, and um, she yeah. really has. There's a whole episode where it talks about how she's Jewish. Her character is Jewish, which didn't, didn't really I didn't really realise until I think episode three or four. Mm-hmm. Bel Powley herself is Jewish because I checked. How? Um, she like
0: she's using Yiddish in the first
2: episode. Is she? Oh yeah, you're right. You're absolutely yes. right. Thank you. She Good goes, point. I'm Schwitzing in yes. this like,
0: outfit she's wearing.
2: You're absolutely right, yeah. <laughs> I mean people say Schwitzing anyway, in you know, so I thought But yeah, but this is drawn out that um her because her boyfriend, um, his surname is Smith, and um her mother realizes instantly that he's not Jewish um, because it's such a, such a kind of white Anglo-Saxon name and is annoyed and that issue of conflict about the fact that a lot of really traditional Jewish parents don't want their kids to marry out as the phrase goes um, they want her to meet a nice Jewish boy is really interestingly yeah. dealt with and gets very emotional and just her relationship that central relationship between her and Maggie played by M Appleton the, the um, effectively the Dodie Alderson character gets really painfully, brutally honest and kind of difficult as the show goes on. And I really admired the way it didn't soft-soap that. It didn't kind of go, oh, you know, their friendship will obviously endure and it's all going to be fine. I and mean, I won't spoil it, but it's just the toughness of seeing, having your best, your lifelong best friend go off with a guy who you kind of feel is a bit boring and mainstream and, you know, square basically while you're mm. the bohemian, you know, one that's dealt with so interestingly. And what I really liked about it is it, it makes it quite clear that Belle Powley's character Birdie, it's her own person and doesn't want to be a sidekick anymore. Like she's felt she's the sidekick all the way mm. through in this relationship. And, um, Maggie kind of doesn't really, just doesn't really deal with that fact that she obviously is a sidekick. And it it just there, the whole, the whole um, relationship is fascinating. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Very, very, I thought very truthful. There's great stuff with the other two main cast members. um, And, uh, Nell and Amara, those characters. Amara's got a whole dance. She's obsessed with becoming a dancer. She's doing a really boring job as like an estate agency or whatever at the same time. And that's really interesting. Um, there's a brilliant episode dealing with the advent of dating apps and how it completely revolutionizes huh. these young women's lives because suddenly, you know, they have access to men in the same, you know, loads and loads of men if they want to get access to them, which they do. And I thought that was dealt with in a really refreshingly honest and unjudgmental way about, you know, women and sex, just wanting sex sometimes, which you don't see that often still to this day, I would say on TV. Um, So... I, it's really good. It's really, really good. And, and oh, and bam, and there's even, because it touches Dolly Alderson worked on reality TV. She worked on Made in Chelsea. And so there's, they create a kind of fake reality show that the character works on. Uh-huh. And the insights into making reality TV are really interesting. And that fucking Bell End Street in the terrible hat hmm. of course disapproves of reality TV in much the same way James does in that kind of patronising <laughs> <you know, laughs> snobbish please don't love me in with street you're street you are the street of this podcast <laughs> well, all you need James is a terrible hat <sighs> and you'll be yeah. street um, oh, God, and sorry. the finale again I won't spoil it, it takes place in New York by and large and that I th- I loved it because, again, there's a bit of stuff about how Dolly Alderton's character is obsessed with New York all- growing up. And there's a shot which is literally a, a homage to Manhattan, Woody Allen's Manhattan. And um, just the reality, the loneliness you can get, actually, if you go to New York and you don't really know people, et cetera, et cetera. I think mm. it captures that. So... I think it's it's at, it ends, it's ended up being a really really great series. Um, I'm really impressed with it. Yeah, after I would say, okay. and I I know you know I think we liked it. Beth was slightly less enthusiastic. I remember, but it definitely improves dramatically and gets really really properly engrossing as it goes on.
0: And it's all on the okay. iPlayer as well, by the way. It's all on the iPlayer. So, so- yeah. I want to watch the rest of that. See, this is now yet another thing that's got in the way of me going yeah. back to Better Call Saul. It just seemed that there's one barrier after another. They just never stop. But yeah, I, I do want to watch the rest of that. You do you mm-hmm. must.
1: I will have a look. Oh my god, and Barry. Oh my oh, god. Oh god, yes. Oh Barry. my god. Yeah, of course. Oh my god, Barry, very, 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 Barry. Have you watched the late, the late, the one from the week yeah. we're in recording now? Yeah, oh,
2: my god. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Just astonishing absolutely astonishing and you were not wrong with last week's episode the first five minutes of that Major dropped and then you yeah. just didn't I just and then didn't the jaw pick it back d- up again it was just dropping. there yeah. just kept jaw on the through layers of the earth <laughs> yeah
2: I mean I still think that is Jesus. the single best episode
0: of TV this year I think probably I'm trying to think of, yeah. hang on oh you, like, god, you got yeah. some negative pushback on this 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 spectacular chase of yours Boyd from one of Did our uh, listeners who was very oh, very sure, underwhelmed sure, by sorry,
1: it what? oh god someone on Twitter having a go yeah. um, I'm astonished oh, I managed
2: to miss that completely, so I didn't even I didn't even see oh, that. Oh, did you? No, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He Maybe was he was he was expecting a lot, and I don't think. found Oh my it. god! Some people
2: are so oh, well, hard to please, it, aren't it they? Can, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. it's a bit like you recently. I listened to the um, Empire spoiler special on um, Obi Wan Kenobi, and you, James, were going on about the production values, like it being looking cheap. I'm like, I don't think it looks cheap at all. You're so you're like you're standard. I was like,
0: it. No, it does. Does it? it, does does it look cheap does. Cheap Which one you were you talking about? Like, you about cheap. this. This was episode three, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This was the episode three one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it, it does look cheap. <laughs> because you have to think, it's <laughs> I mean, relative. Saying <laughs> it's all relative. It's uh, all relative. You know, does it look cheap compared to your average ITV drama? No obviously not does it look cheap compared to like Revenge of the Sith absolutely because it's a fraction of the budget but I think the problem is is that with Obi-Wan Kenobi they're trying to ape things which were done very expensively very stylistically Uh, and you know sort of like some of these incredibly sort of conceived and executed sequences and what you've got is a series that feels a little bit flabby and pedestrian and I have to say like at times just feels very prosaic and you know episode 3 which is the one that everyone thinks is brilliant and I really didn't get on with it because of what it was trying to do and I thought not succeeding in. Um and I got a lot of shit for being negative about it, understandably, from people who are obviously loving the show. For that I can yeah. only apologize. Uh yeah. but if you did find that quite upsetting, then maybe don't listen to the spoiler special for episode four, because episode oh, no. four <laughs> is by oh, no. far and away the worst episode today. Have you watched uh, this yet, Boyd? No, I haven't yeah, caught up in episode four. Oh, I haven't. No, I haven't no. Yeah, you Beth, agree, Beth. go on then. Let's uh, let's hear it. Be positive, uh, Beth. Go on.
1: Do you know what? I've got to say, I do quite agree with you on the third episode. I don't, because there was a lot of hype, but I, I didn't watch it, you know, at eight o'clock on Wednesday morning. So it was like soaking up the hype of it significantly before I got around to watching it. I found it quite sterile and odd um, and in terms of like showdowns. Also just... I don't know. Maybe this is why I'm enjoying shows like Big Boy so much. Is I don't I don't know when TV got so like cruel and harsh, like almost unnecessarily so. You know, there's there's the the big reveal of Darth Vader and that stuff is is fucking cool. I'm not going to take that away from the show, but where he's drawing out these like civilians and killing them as a way to kind of draw Obi Wan. And I apologize, I am going into spoiler territory, I guess, but like. He, he basically, there's, there's some real nastiness to that episode that I really don't think was needed. and I, I feel like it's just feeding into this this kind of necessity now that big budget shows, big sprawling shows have got to be cruel and have these really shocking moments of, if not violence, like insinuations of violence to be able to kind of keep up with, I don't know, I guess like... Game of Thrones started off, Walking Dead had all these big, sharp, abrupt moments, and I just feel like it all kind of, you know, Stranger Things, you know, the the first volume of that, some of that stuff is absolutely horrible, and I really felt like watching Obi-Wan, that it was trying to really kind of outdo itself in terms of going into a darker, darker place, and I just thought it felt quite unneeded, I guess. Mm -hmm. Was my mm. takeaway from that. So yep. I think I have different qualms to you, perhaps.
2: It's definitely lazy writing. I agree with that. I agree with the fact that you know Darth Vader getting Darth Vader to do that stuff is just a lazy way of showing it he, out. He's evil. The case we've forgotten, and and I agree with all the stuff on the yeah. special podcast about how the the fight the fight mate. between was was thrown away. <laughs> I agree with all of that. It was just the production. It was just the um, the lavish. I, I felt it did look great. So it was just a, it was just that was my minor complaint. I did get someone telling me I have to stop mentioning reviewing films as well. Someone had to go at me
0: saying um when it, when it comes to tv and football you're usually spot on i think it's more boy because you're being consistently wrong about films i think that's yeah. probably the, the bigger problem there thanks please keep your film opinions
2: out of the pilot tv podcast as we all know <laughs> the rights of skywalker is a pile of crap thank you very much daniel He's not wrong on well
0: <laughs> me and ben are going to force forge that defense leak but like so so i mean that episode three stuff like which we are all talking about the third oh, should, episode three confuses matters. so so the third you know part three of Obi-Wan Kenobi if you will uh, you know a lot a lot happens in that a lot of big fan pleasing stuff happens in that I, my issue with that one was the execution and that I did feel it, it felt cheap for what it was if that makes sense I'm not like saying it felt like it was put together on like a, an old school terrestrial TV budget but given that what it is <laughs> that it's continuing the story of episode three as in the film episode three and it's carrying on with these great sort of galaxy altering events it just felt very small and that took away from the impact of it but more for me I mean it does come down to the writing and I don't really want to piss on the chips of the people who are writing these shows or even the directing because I felt the directing lacked a certain verve certainly in this fourth episode so the fourth episode is a, is a jailbreak episode I won't go into the details if you want that listen to the spoiler special podcast I'm going to try not to repeat myself because we did bang on about this for a good hour or something but uh, I just it's just it It feels like it's a, it's a six episode limited series so it's not a long thing it's not like they've got episodes to burn but it just feels like they're not making the most of the runtime. And I just felt like there was just a lot of meandering around and not really advancing the plot and like why are we here? And like Boba Fett was all this, it was all wheel spinning. The whole series was just like, what are we doing? Where are we going? Why are we here? Why are you wasting my time? And Obi-Wan isn't that, but it's getting there because I think the episodes are progressively worse from the very strong first episode. And I felt each one has been more disappointing than the last. So I'm not I'm not loving Obi-Wan. I'm still enjoying watching it. But it feels like a missed opportunity to me, um, and this, yeah, this this fourth episode did not uh, did not set my world on fire, unfortunately. So it's
1: just Mando. It just felt so so similar to Mando in terms of its kind of contained mission to go through a, a little kind of pocket of a world we already know to get a little kid. Mm. It's just like I've seen this yeah. done much better.
2: But Mando was much more. V- kind of verve had much more verve and it has uh, a lot of yeah. verve but it, yeah.
0: You know, and you feel like with Mando that the performances are obviously great, which is fantastic. But it feels like the writing is more pointed, and the episodes are constructed with more flair. Like you look at, so so there is a sequence in an episode here where it's about darkness and using darkness and light and lightsabers and effects, and it just feels like a shitty knockoff of the Ahsoka episode from season two of Mandalorian. And I was just like, that. Now that was exciting and new and fresh and all the things you want. And this just feels a bit tired and it's a shame like i don't know why it's like not living up to its potential like it it's disappointing me because it started so strongly i think when we reviewed it we were like you know this this is great like i'm really excited to see where this goes and it just feels like it's just gone on to autopilot since then and it feels like it's going through the motions of star wars 101 and it's just not doing anything interesting or fresh and um and at times i to say at times it does feel a bit cheap uh and it may be unfair to compare an episode of a, of a TV show with, you know, a massive A Hollywood event movie, but it's a Hollywood event movie from 20 years ago, you know, and the budgets of these TV shows are not inconsiderable. So I don't know. Is it unfair? You tell me. <laughs>
1: Uh, No, it's not unfair. you know, it's it's quite justified,
2: yeah. Oh,
0: I can't believe we're saying James is right about something. Christ. There
2: you go. Thank you. We will leave it there.
0: There we go. I've won over Boyd. I've won over Beth. I just need to win over Jasper the dog, and I'll be absolutely exhausted. What I I have watched this week, and again, it's one of these things, like you go from Obi-Wan, and I went from Obi-Wan to watching the rest of We Own This City, uh, which I did finish because I couldn't stop watching it. And it's just like, it is... so slick and it is so compelling, and the performances are great, and the writing is so tight, and you feel like it's got real, you know, it's got a real weight to it. Um, and I, I mean, John Burnshell is absolutely hateful all the way through it, but in the best possible way. And it made me feel sad, but I think that's the point of this because it's you know, it's it's showing sort of like society in decay. But it's a it's a really, really good, tight, taut six part series, uh, which is everything that Obi Wan is not.
1: That's that's fair. That's fair. I, I think I need to be uh, again because I'm just I'm just feeling a bit like, oh, it's just a bit of a slug with all this quite intense, nasty telly, nasty long telly. Um, <laughs> nasty,
0: nasty, nasty long telly. Oh, it's
1: nasty <laughs> long telly. Um, so I will save that for when I'm in a, a slightly more serious mood. So you didn't yeah. watch Big Boys, what you're saying? <laughs> I
0: didn't I didn't get around to Big Boys. I did I did watch We Own the City, I got it off deck, and then I had obviously Better Call Saul was gonna be next time I watched this, but now I'm thinking I might end up watching Everything I Know About Love before Better Call Saul because obviously it's shorter and Better Call Saul is a bit of a long slog. So I need to I need to get the short stuff off deck before I can get into something big mm. so it, mm. it gets delayed once again not helped by the fact that I ended up watching Infinity War and Endgame again on the weekend just to prove that I do not have time to watch She's TV shows because I'm right. doing other things but you know it felt necessary I don't know what to tell you
2: what, wait a minute what, sorry you, you watched the two
0: three hour Avengers films I might have done
1: yeah.
0: Why? Oh God. Oh, yeah, well, it's why? like you know, like um you know like every now and then you have to renew your driving licence when it's about to expire. <sighs> I feel like when you work for Empire, like every six months or so you have to watch Infinity War and Endgame to renew your Empire credentials. So I uh, did do so, that, so
1: Well,
0: you know, you're gonna have to, Beth.
1: Once you've been <laughs> here for six months, no. that's it.
0: No, just
2: resist. You're coming up on it now. Just resist. It's still happening. I mean, I had to endure Jurassic... I mean, I'm going to make mention the film, Jurassic World, Bloody Dominion, which felt like it was three hours long. <laughs> right. so this is, sorry, uh-huh. we're
0: now entering Boyd's I'm-going-to-slag-off-a-film <laughs> segment <laughs> yeah. of the Pilot TV podcast. Yeah.
2: Oh, it was terrible, wasn't it? It's
0: absolutely shockingly awful. I, I couldn't possibly... Of course it was. Uh, yes, I, okay. we will have actually... By, we have not recorded it yet, but by the time no. this goes out, we will have recorded and put out the Empire podcast where we will have reviewed Jurassic okay. World Dominion in okay. all its okay. underwhelming sorry. glory. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Fucking it's, uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was, as you say, very disappointed with that one. It was, it was not Yeah, devastated. devastated. Any, any other shows you would like to highlight? Uh,
1: no, yeah. I think uh, it was quite a week for me.
0: Okay, good. Right, well, those are the things we have watched. And I think now, because we have a bunch of guests this week, we should probably get in our first ones. Uh, now, The Lazarus Project, as you will hear in detail sometime later on on the show, comes to Sky this week. Uh, and in it, Papasiedou star of Gangs of London and I May Destroy You to name but two things uh, plays George who like Phil Connors in Groundhog Day begins to realise he's experiencing the same period of time over and over again. However, it is not part of some sort of redemption arc in this case to make him a better man. It is rather a way to save the world and a weapon used by the Lazarus Project, for whom Anjali Mohindra swiftly recruits him. Uh, Anjali, you will of course know from the likes of Vigil and Bodyguard and Cucumber. Uh, Amon Warman, in the first of two interviews I drafted him in to do this week, (laughs) spoke to Anjali and Papa last week from the studio next door, if you'll remember, while we were recording the podcast. Apparently it did all go ahead. They did call. It's all good and here's what went down
4: we'd like to be joined on the pilot tv podcast by two of the stars of the lazarus project papa asidu and angeli mahindra how are you both
5: Yeah, all good mate really really excited to be on the podcast i'm a big fan of
6: it yeah
4: me too thanks for having us fantastic glad to have you um congratulations on the show i've watched the first three episodes and i'm really really enjoying it i was immediately sucked into this world uh, the first episode within like five minutes. It's like, okay, this is getting really, really interesting. So when you first read the script, how quickly did you go from this is interesting to this is something that I need to be a part of?
5: Most immediately. Um, I think you read the script and the way Joe Joe writes is so evocative and um, it's so clear what he's, uh, the, 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 the picture that he's painting, that, um, yeah, like after the first five pages, I was like, what? And I mean, something happens after about five pages. You're like, what? Um, and I loved it. I loved it. And it was one of those shows where as you get through the episodes, um, it gets more and more and more exciting and more and more kind of twisty turning. And yeah, it's, it, 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 it was a real
3: easy decision for me.
6: I remember um, my jaw was just on the floor at the end of episode one. I haven't read anything that I've like, I don't know, sometimes the, the the tediousness of reading a script when you're, you know, auditioning for it or reading it for interest, um, none of that, none of those feelings occurred during reading the first episode or any of the episodes of this. It's just so thrilling and witty and clever. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like every episode ends in a way that you're just like, what? (laughs) And propels you into sort of wanting to find out what happens next. It's it's yeah. They're really brilliant.
4: Yeah. And yeah, no, I completely agree. There was a couple of lines, especially in that first episode, where it really underlined how close we have actually come to the end of the world. I think there's a yeah. line that you say, actually, that, you know, we, we, the world has ended like five times. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> was there like, lines like that where you're like, oh my goodness, that's actually true.
6: Yeah, there is. Totally. You're like, yeah, I buy that. I totally buy that. I think Jerry's strangely, as a writer and a human, strangely prophetic, He's he, prophetic, I want to make that clear <laughs> <laughs> with an arm. He's sort of like he I feel like he's he's so smart at predicting what's going to happen, but also ties up all of the you know ties up all of the gray areas in real life and makes sense of them in a way that you're like, yeah, in a parallel universe, that's probably possible um but yeah, I know what you mean. The world is a dark and crazy place right now, and um so you you totally believe that. <laughs> the world could have
4: ended. absolutely um papa in the past you talked about how physical communication is just as important as how you say your lines um and particularly in that first episode as george is learning about lazarus project what sort of things are you doing with your body as he becomes more comfortable with being a gun-wielding agent in this new life that he's been thrust into
5: yeah i mean and that that that's another thing. Like, this is what I mean. Like, it's written in the scripts the kind of transformation that George goes through in that moment. Like, mm. um, when in the first conversation they have about like being an agent, everyone else is talking about their military background and working special services, and he talks about being an app developer. You know, so like he 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 definitely doesn't come 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 to the table with the physique or the expertise to be able to do some of the uh, field work that everyone else does. And I remember when. We were when we were doing rehearsals for the show, we had we had a session with um I don't even know who he was, he was like a gun guy. So he like brought in my like, all these like big guns. And I remember when I held that gun for the first time, I looked rubbish. And then I looked <laughs> over at Angela and she looked like she genuinely looked like an assassin, you know? So um I kind of spent most of most most of most of that first episode trying to copy it. Coffee, Ashley, if I am believe that's true. Um, I didn't
6: come incredibly
5: cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like for, for, for the viewer, we see George become more and more, uh, competent and physically, com- and f- physically confident, uh, in that space. Um, uh, until we get towards the end of the episode when, um, yeah,
4: his, his, his journey starts going in a different direction. But so, Ashley, you're, you're, you're already good with guys. Is there anything you want to tell us? <laughs> <laughs>
6: Well, I, I think Papa's forgotten that uh, we were standing quite close to each other on the sort of gun initiation day, and my knees were knocking together so loudly that he was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> um, and I just, even being in the room, can you remember? I don't know if you can remember. I don't remember I was that. so so. I've actually got, uh, I've actually got, a, I've actually got the
5: a photo room. of Angie holding the gun that I'll send into the podcast. <laughs> yes, that you can use as a thumbnail. For <laughs> so, everyone will, everyone will know what I mean. <laughs> These <laughs> I can't
6: <wait laughs> that. When they tried to take the gun back off me at the end, I, I wouldn't let go. There was something quite <laughs> there was something quite powerful about having it and the thrill of um I don't know, the thrill of the noise as well. Uh obviously we're not shooting at anything, we're just shooting blanks, but the thrill of the sound, you being responsible for a sound like that. And I'm quite a mouse in, in my normal life. So there was something quite nice about yeah, mm-hmm. about the power. <laughs> I sound awful. I sound like an awful human being.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, so, Angela, I know that you've spoken in the past about how you read the script as many times as you can, and then you ask questions about your character. That's part of your process. What are the questions were you asking about Archie?
6: Um, I I always like to start with like what the character is hiding from or what their secret is because um, I think everybody something that they don't want people to know about themselves, whether it be like a personality flaw or an experience in life that they you know they're trying to move away from, but with Archie, what was so incredible about her is a lot of her inner life and her um her secrets are, are there that we explore them um at at certain moments over the sort of arc of the series um but for me, it was trying to understand her like. Her unwavering desire to commit herself to the greater good, even when there's times in her life that the Lazarus Project um has compromised some of her own relationships or compromised the people that she loves the most, she still plows forward um with such dedication, but it's also really funny and witty and trying to work out sort of that she uses her humour as a mask and um a sort of stab vest. Um, I think. I think she's someone that can't spend a lot of time by herself uh, in a way that a lot of addicts can't, you know, they they need to numb themselves with something, whether that's substance for some people, for her, it's work and drive and doing and committing herself. Um, she's basically a workaholic. Um, so yeah, once I would sort of cracked that, it was really fun for me layering up sort of her cooler side and her wittier side.
4: Absolutely. And all of that definitely comes through. So you do both do that individual prep. What conversations were you having? with each other about the dynamic between your characters once you guys were cast and once you guys were in the thick of it.
5: You know, me and Ange
4: uh,
5: spent a a lot of time <laughs> we spent a lot of time chatting about our characters we'd like often go for like coffee we were shooting in 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 um in Cardiff and in Newquay in, in, in what was we shooting Newport. Um, <laughs> in
6: Newpool <in>
5: <laughs> um we'd often go for coffees or, or or drinks and like chat and chat and chat and chat about George Machi and what we liked and what we wanted to achieve with it and um yeah, the whole the whole cast were really collaborative like that. And we were, we were really lucky to lucky to work with um, directors that were that were really actor orientated. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, 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 it really felt like there was a concerted effort made from everybody to make sure we were singing from the same hymn sheet, which is particularly useful in a show like this where it's not, uh, it's not immediately easy to key into what's happening at any time so it's really important that we know what we're doing and we know where we are and we know what time loop we're in if the mm-hmm. audience are going to have any sort of a chance.
4: Speaking of uh, time loops, do you guys have any go-to uh, films or TV shows for that sort of uh, genre t- time stuff?
6: Oh, um, I really want to watch Drush and Doll. actually, I haven't seen much of it but apparently that's is that a bit of a time travelling show that you the saying for
5: it's it's kind of like a, a it's it's a it's a time resetting show, right? right. Do you call it that? Other than time travel. I, I haven't seen the Russian Doll, so I can't. haven't seen. I'm
3: sorry. I was like, is anybody
5: going to join me on it? I've seen the first series of that, and it's brilliant. And Natasha Leon is unbelievable in it. And yeah, the, the, it's really mind bending. The kind of um, uh, repeated motifs. It's slightly, it's slightly different from our show because we don't so much kind of explore the thing. Oh, actually, no, there is one episode where that kind of happens where it. it's a repeat motif. But like, yeah. Have you seen Groundhog Day, Angelou?
6: Yes, I have seen Groundhog Day. And that's definitely how this show can feel sometimes. And, and how lockdown felt. I think that's something that a lot of us could draw from feeling of just living the same thing every day over and over um also really loved minority report i don't know if you guys saw that um, i guess that was less sort of traveling backwards and more sort of seeing into the future um, but yeah i liked i really liked the sort of questions that asked it's useful to sort of with this this is more sort of being able to dive back in retrospectively um, yeah. yeah into
4: the past both of those. Very good chance. Does doing a show like this then make you reflect on any of your own choices, given that, you're, as you say, you're diving back in uh, to the past?
6: Um, I would just like to have more fun. I feel like I'm a bit lo- like Archie and I've been a bit of a workaholic. So if I could use a time machine, I'd probably go back and go to Glastonbury as many times as possible. <laughs>
4: <laughs> How about you, Papa? Is there anything that you'd
5: use a time machine for? Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many things that if I, if I could delve into my past and change <laughs>
6: that could be
5: my whole personality. but, but, um, I kind of, I kind of, like, I think the show also kind of like provides really good, um, perspective on how, like going back and changing things doesn't necessarily end mm-hmm. with things happening the way you want them to you know because you can go back and change one thing but that doesn't mean that everything's got everything else is going to remain exactly the same um so yeah that whole playing god thing is i think a little bit of a misnomer and we and we, and we see we see that in the show
4: Yeah. Actually, it's one of those choices you'd maybe like to have back the Wordle on March 16th, because I was going through your Twitter and on March 16th, you tweeted this. (laughs) I'm going to quote this tweet. This is very funny. No one comes on here to shout about their failures. It's all self promotion, and look how great I am. So, to shake things up, I'm telling you that Wordle beat me today for the first time ever. I've never got a single one (laughs) wrong before now. Yes, that's right. I am great. So, Andrew, (laughs) if you had a time machine, Would you go back In and bed. do that Wordle again?
6: Oh, that was incredible. Uh, definitely, Jeez, there's nothing like being beaten by Wordle, is there? It completely ruins your whole day. Well, for me anyway, I do first thing is <laughs> coffee, and it does. It it sort of dictates my my energy and emotional levels for that day. And yeah, if I'm defeated. Don't
5: cross me that day. Ain't a good day. <laughs> I'd like, I'd like the listeners to know that I remain undefeated in Wether. We'll I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually understand the position that. I'm
4: <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty impressive. Not going to lie. The world has it? gotten the best of me a couple of times. So <laughs> play, power, 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 power play. Um, do you guys have an example of anything that's happened in this business that was frustrating at the time? But that you learned some valuable lessons from that served you well later down the line? Because I feel like that's one of the interesting things that the show gets into.
5: Great question. Um, so things that were frustrated, that seemed frustration, frustrate.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I suppose, like, living
5: the life of an actor, which is like very freelance, you're like auditioning for things all the time, and you like sometimes get things. And when you don't take, you, when you don't get things, you really take the L. It feels like a personal. Um, loss. It feels like you're the worst work person in the world. It feels almost as if you've been beaten by Wordle. But, <laughs> like, you don't have a feels in Papa. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. But like, I suppose like, there's definitely been like times when, yeah, I've auditioned for things and not got them and been like absolutely gutted mm-hmm. and thought like, why am I even doing this thing? And then uh, it's made me free to audition for something else. Which I then have got and has provided like an incredible experience, be it like that thing successful, successful or just like a great working um, uh, learning experience or making like a friend that you know you would never have met otherwise. You know, so um, I feel like that happens quite often. I don't know if that's happened to you, and you probably get yeah, you wish for.
6: yeah, definitely, 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 um, and not even just with like jobs just life sometimes a door will close and then another one will open and when you look back you're like oh, I, I definitely went down the left of that fork in the road that I, I wouldn't have done and it's led to all these amazing things life the randomness of life really bugs me like um I think I, me and you discussed this on one of our many sort of like massive philosophical chats when we were filming in Cardiff Papa but like that, that we're constantly making choices that inches in a certain direction and then you end up two miles too far to the right than where you could have been if you'd changed something else. That that stuff is that stuff is what keeps me up at night. Um, uh, but there's I think there's a joy in that. There's a there's a joy in each decision leading to a whole new branch of other decisions and um, yeah and so I feel like that's the, the 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 most useful way of not living in regret is realizing that um, yeah your path is ever evolving.
4: I love that. I'm going to get I'm going to get that written on my mood board. I <laughs> love that quote. Um, so one of the things that I really liked about this show, and we see it in Groundhog Day as well, is that you get to learn new skills and then gain the time back that it took to gain those new skills. Um, and you know, Papa, you're talking about uh, learning how to use a gun earlier, and I'm guessing that's one of the new things that you learned. If you could go back and you know, learn a new skill and then gain that time back, is there any particular skill that you'd like to explore next? Um- maybe like a language, like Mm. I'm like, all
5: right at like a few languages, but I'm not good at any of them. And whenever I see someone who is like just like chatting and then very quickly switches into something else, I'm like, yo, that's like a superpower. So
4: yes, I'd love, I'd love to
5: be able to just like very, very low key drop, like Japanese on like Anjali one day in like a sushi restaurant. And just be like, oh yeah, it's just one of those things I've got.
6: Sorry. <laughs>
4: <laughs> How about you, Angela?
6: Oh, I think languages as well. Really, really like um, I, I'm. I love going to Mexico a lot. It's one of my favourite places uh, to visit. And I think, well, I get mistaken for um, for being Spanish quite a lot. So people chat to me, and then I will obviously use use my very clumsy Spanish, or sort of say something in English, and they look so disappointed. Um, <laughs> So I would just love to be able to, yeah, chat back. So Spanish is is on my um, is on my list.
4: Um, Papa, the next show that I believe we're going to see you in, you could use uh, Gun Skills, because I think it's Gangs of London season two, which I'm very excited about. Uh, what can we expect from your character, Alex, on the second season? Uh, well, he's still there. <laughs> he,
3: yes,
5: he's one of the few guys who managed to survive series one. Um, yeah, we hmm, what am I about to say? We basically pick up from um, the end of series one about a year later. Um, Alex is in charge of like a major um, organisation within the world, but is kind of like haunted by. What ha- by 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 things that happened at the end of series one, so yeah, we kind of see him trying to come to terms with,
4: come, trying to come to terms with that. And I believe for you, Ashley, the next thing we're going to see you in is the suspect. What what excites you most about that show?
6: Oh, suspect is a is a sort of thrilling crime drama um, that for the first time we see what well, in a long time I think we see a psychotherapist uh, caught up in the middle of a a, a murder investigation. Uh, I play a character called D.S. Rhea Davey, who is uh, a brilliant sort of forthright, hot shot um, police officer who has found herself working in murder, which is actually not where she wanted to be, but it's sort of a stepping stone for her to move on um, up the ranks. But she forms an unlikely partnership with uh, D.I. Vincent Ruiz, who was played by the incredible Sean Parks, uh, who was just one of my favourite people, but also an extraordinary actor um it was a lot of fun working with him he's a he's one of those people that you you sort of learn from you learn how to live life better and learn how to sort of i felt felt myself like my raising my acting game um with him so yeah i feel like i've worked with some extraordinary people uh this past year including papa and um and the rest of the lazarus cast yeah (laughs) what did you say
4: (laughs) You
5: never usually say that, so I don't.
6: Know. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
4: it's, it's on record now. You can't take it back. Uh, Papa, <laughs> Angela, thank you so much for your time and congratulations on the show and brilliant. Just so you know, guys, like. <laughs> The, oh, out, wow. Let the record reflect that, that, that Papa this? is showing me his wordle for today and he is correct. He, he got it right well, in, in three guesses as well. That's impressive.
6: He's <laughs> got one more to
4: go. I've got one more to go, but you, you know, know I'm going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you need to up your wordle game.
6: Oh, I'm doing it right
4: now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. D- DM me your results. I want to see. I, I need proof.
0: They're there. But there.
4: <laughs> guys nice, thank, oh, so thank you so much
0: for your time it's pleasure all right thank you Eamon. thank you that was papa seadu and anjali mohindra and i think it's time for news we're going to skip the listener question this week because we have two guests and a lot to get through and only a limited amount of time so uh shall we talk news and where better of course to start than Warrior nun and Fate the wink saga so oh gosh. <laughs> or rather more broadly the fact that netflix had a a to-do didn't they an event they had a thing they did some (laughs) stuff they showed some stuff
1: they showed a lot of stuff not some stuff they showed (laughs) so much stuff
0: what were your favourite things Beth? What I did you like the most? I couldn't tell
1: you. It was, there was <laughs> so much. What was there? I'm going through now. You you see what you like. And well, <laughs> so there was
0: footage from Fate the Wink Saga where we saw the arrival of a new character. Uh, it, I must admit, it wasn't the most incendiary footage in the world. <laughs> but I was like, oh, good. I'm glad they're still doing this because I was – and I, I'm, I'm at this sort of weird thing where I'm wondering whether my love for Fate the Wink Saga, and I'm perfectly willing to accept this, might have been born of some kind of lockdown mania whereby I hadn't seen other humans or been out the house in a long period of time and then Fake the Wink Saga came on I was like, this is the greatest show that's ever existed (laughs) and I'm going to watch it again and be like, oh God, what am I talking about? This is dreadful. So that could happen. Um, But we also got the trailer for season two of warrior nun and i had forgotten that ended on a massive cliffhanger you know with the the, the people who were cl- good guys but were clearly bad guys turned out to be bad guys and then the end of the world and the demons oh, cool, and the I'm things i are not
1: watching that then that's fine
0: yeah it's it's it, there's lots of stuff going on but uh i'm i'm pleased to see the warrior nun back on uh and i'm looking forward to getting back into that i've got to be honest boy did, did you like the trailer
2: Yes, yes. I mean, uh, yeah. I also forgot um, everything about it, pretty much. All I remember about about that whole show is how kind of kitsch and ludicrous it was. So I was definitely reminded about that. It was how desigual it was. Exactly. Yeah, it is the desigual <laughs> of television. Um, so uh, yeah, I did enjoy it for that reason. It carries on seemingly in the same vein. It's been a long time. Isn't yeah. it? it feels
0: like years ago. I mean, it is literally years ago. Look. It has been a long time. Yeah, because yeah, it was was it twenty? I want to say twenty twenty one. It might have been twenty twenty. I think it was twenty twenty one. Because right. Winx was the end, the very end of 2020. Yes. It was Christmas 2020. And Warren I was about that time. So maybe it was Taylor 2020. Not sure. Anyway, this is a fascinating conversation. Beth, yeah. uh, tell us tell us your, your Netflix excitement.
1: Uh, I'm going through it now. We, there was a collective excitement amongst the Empire scene for 1899, which looks like Twin Peaks on a ship. That looks pretty... Pretty boss. Mm. We got Sandman first look, which is, or Sandman date announcement.
0: That's right. August um, the 5th, Sandman comes to Netflix. August that 5th, is exciting.
1: With the announcement that Luke, no, not Luke Hamill, that's not his name. Mark Hamill is, uh, on, is voicing one of the characters in that. And I love voice i mean i love mark hamill but i love mark hamill's voice work so that'll be exciting also probably most excited to come out on the telly side of things actually two things now i'm looking at it uh, guillermo del toro's cabinet of curiosities whatever Mm. the hell that is (laughs) looks very exciting but i am very very excited for um jenna ortega as wednesday in tim burton's spin-off show Wednesday, about Wednesday's. I'm excited, looking forward to it. I hope it's a good Tim Burton project, which we haven't really had in a while for a little while. <laughs> yes.
0: Although, if you are a big fan of Tim Burton, I do recommend buying the new issue of Empire Magazine, which is on sale now mm. because there is an excellent Batman Returns <laughs> retrospective in which Tim Burton does not fuck about. <laughs> uh, the
3: uh, the issue of
0: bat nipples is brought up and his response is quite fruity. So I would uh, highly recommend that you read that if you get the chance. Uh, what else came out of the Netflix thing? There was some Duffer Brothers information where they were talking about Stranger Things Season 5. We haven't seen the rest of Season 4 yet, but apparently mm. they are looking at a time... Jump for season five. It's like, yeah, no shit. They're all going to yeah. be middle-aged by the time this comes out. Um But they mentioned that obviously, ideally, they would have shot four and five back to back. That would have made the most sense, but they didn't. So, and they're still in the writing phases. So, you know, that's because they were too busy making two and a half hour episodes. I mean, come on. Uh, Full well yeah, yes. Happy. I, I, you know, we've been getting a decent amount of bang for our buck. I would say yeah. from uh, it's from weird Strange to think, isn't season, it? Because so.
2: when when they first announced the the split, the two different um volumes of this series, I was thinking, oh, that's going to be annoying because you're going to get to episode seven of this lot and then you have to do this huge rate. But, of course, the last two episodes arrive the 1st of July, which is like in a couple of weeks' time, practically. So we yeah, don't have long yeah. to wait to those really oh, fucking yeah. epic last two episodes.
0: Yeah, Beth in particular will be clearing her schedule for yes. those two and a half hours an episode, <laughs> yeah. Beth.
2: Well, yes. for the last one, anyway.
1: I might live tweet. <laughs> I'll do it, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two and a half hours We should have a special two and a half hour um,
2: podcast to commemorate the two and a half hour episode. Um yeah. do you know
1: what i did i i I don't respond to many tweets so i'm sorry but one that did make me laugh was was somebody tweeting and to say that they love that the podcast is now over two and a half hours because it largely consists of me complaining about how things are (laughs) too fucking long
3: (laughs) yeah
1: it's a fair point it's It's a fair point yeah it's not unfair what
0: else happened this week? We had, I think, a date for Tales of the Walking Dead. I'm sure you're both extremely oh, excited to hear not give a shit that that's exactly. coming to not AMC in the states on the 21st of August. Uh, I don't know when it's coming out over here. It might be the same date. Who knows? Uh, but that's the kind of anthology type thing.
2: You did miss out the most exciting thing about the whole Netflix geek, geeks thing, which which was that the oh um, did I what? yes the Midnight Club um thing the the next show from Mike Flanagan. Of yes, Midnight Mass. Yes, Masters. that's right, I did. he is the creator of the best things ever on Netflix, pretty much, apart from the OA. Um, so, <laughs> apart from the OA. The and they did have Raul Coley introduce um, the Midnight Club, and and that the fact that it's kind of another horror series, and that he's a showing, um, it's like a group of teens, it seems to be built around. Um, so, and just the whole idea of another Mike Flanagan epic horror film, horror series on Netflix. Um, looks incredibly exciting. Yes, so that was the other thing. That you missed. Carry on.
0: Yeah, I would say you mentioned the OA there, so I should obviously point out, Boyd, that we had a message from one of our listeners. this is, Obviously, we're not doing a listening question, but he he asked the slightly slightly pointed question: Have you ever had a show recommended to you by a few people of whose opinions you respect, just for that show to turn out to be a giant pile of shit? <laughs> uh, and he <laughs> follows up by saying, for me, it was the OA. Oh. He said, I've listened to Boyd and James bang on oh. for ages about how amazing it is, again and again. Finally decided to watch it, and it was pretty mediocre. He says. First season mediocre. was okay, but the second was just nonsensical from start Be-o- to finish.
1: the more like the OK. Oh. Oh. There you go. There we
0: go. Wow, well, very
2: good. <laughs> I mean, I've heard a good he lot improved. of things, but mediocre is I, mean, either, I can see people not like not going along with the whole ridiculousness of it, but it's yeah. yeah.
0: Mediocre, I don't know. It feels like it's like a it's like a five star or a one-star. Yeah, right. I don't know how you fall in between. No, like no. it feels like a love or hate thing. No. Uh, but sure, you know. Andy no, Gibson, I, bet I, I Jasper the dog fucking hates it as well. I bet Hattie
2: um, Gibson of the OA fame is, of course, in season two of Shadow and Bone, which was also mentioned on the Netflix thing. Yeah, see, I
0: liked Shadow and Bone. I know I, know I was the only one who watched it all, but I liked it. I know it. you did, yeah. <laughs> but I'm now more excited that he's in it. Yeah, yeah, no, he's good, and I would like, I will watch season two of that, which is more than can be said for Lock and Key, which I didn't watch the second season of, uh, nor I suspect at this point will I watch the third season, but you know. What are you going to do? Um, speaking of third seasons, Ted Lasso is apparently wrapping up with the third mm. season. Yeah. Uh, this Apparently that was always meant to be the case. It was always kind of conceived as a three-season thing. So they say. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. But uh, that's sad. The, the way this show is evolving, it's probably going to be a fucking science fiction fantasy by the end of the third season. We've gone from <laughs> half-hour sitcom to hour-long, slightly surreal, tragedy drama. Uh, so I don't know what this one's going to be.
1: Who's to say? Who's, Who's to say?
0: Who's to say, indeed. Yeah.
1: I think it's a wise choice there. I hope they do actually just... Quit while they're ahead. Quit while they're ahead, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, a first that I was really excited by this week is the Prime Video serialised take on A League of Their Own, which is... Yeah. Oh, James, try and and hold down your excitement. (laughs) I
0: genuinely genuinely like A League of Their Own. It's a great film.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I see. I see the point you're making there. It's a great film. Uh, I'm excited because it is Abby Jacobson and one of the key creators from Broad City, which was a show that shock horror I absolutely love. It's a great cast. I mean, I I love Penny Marsh's film. I really did. But I think it's going to be wonderful. Nick, Nick Offerman's in it playing um, the Tom Hanks character, which I think would be great. And obviously it, it does actually go ahead and, and explore, you know, whereas in the film there was that that moment between the white character and the black character. This is a lot more expansive, uh, which I think would be exciting. It looks cool. It's very exciting. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. What else have we had this week? Oh, um, <laughs> we got a first look of a, a show I had heard absolutely nothing about, which I should probably not admit as a news editor. But um, do we know anything about this um, Mike on Hulu, which is uh, Trevante Rhodes from Moonlight playing Mike Tyson in like a mm. sort of bio show? It looks, no, it it looks wild.
0: Trevante Rhodes is great.
1: I love him. I love him. And he really does assume... Mike Tyson, quite like well, he has
0: a real physicality to him. Like mm. he's, he's, you know, he's a big guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, Ooh, big in this, very big. Um, but that looks really exciting. I mean, whether or how we get that one here, I do wonder if it'll be a Disney Plus thing because it's Hulu. Um, and it looks like of that kind of caliber of like the the dropout or dope sick or something. So it might well come to us on on that. But that was exciting. And then a third thing for me to go back to Barry. I don't know if you saw this, Boyd. But Sarah Goldberg is creating, writing, and starring in her own show, which yes. for me is brilliant. Yes. she's. I mean, we always, uh, we obviously keep talking about how great barriers of great barriers. She is. She's oh, one of the fundamental reasons why that show is absolutely. so great. Yeah, and is her her storyline is going to some really like interesting, dark, desperate places. Um. So I can't wait to see what she does breaking out on her own from this because yeah. I mean maybe this is on me but I didn't really know her before this no, what she know was that, up no. to no.
0: Um,
1: so I'm, I'm very very excited to see what that's going to be it's called Sisters a half hour dark comedy uh, from Sarah Goldberg and Susan Stanley so that's exciting development news
0: that is interesting. If we are talking about exciting things, we mentioned the of vampire recently. I should probably, you know, drop in a small thing, and that's we have the world exclusive on the Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, the new Amazon Lord of the Rings oh, show, yeah. uh, and it is all over the mag. We've got images, we've got interviews, we've got three different covers, which includes Harfords, dwarves, and elves, specifically Galadriel with a great big fuck off sword. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I'm getting more excited about this show as it goes like it's it's it looks i mean no expense has quite literally been spared on this series uh and it looks pretty fucking epic so yeah uh there's there's a ton i'm not gonna spoil any of it but there is a ton of stuff in there you know it's Selene henry's in it for god's sake Mm -hmm. uh you know if you want to know about Celebrimbor, the elf who forged the rings of power then look no further than the pages of the new issue of empire magazine on sale now Lord of the Rings, yes. Rings of the Lord. Yes. Can't wait. Y- yes, yes, <laughs> yes, Boyd. That's it. Do you have any news to offer, Boyd, or is yes. that your contribution? No, I have very important news. Phelpsy news
2: okay. broke this okay. morning. Did Sarah he- Phelps, yeah, friend of the pod. Guest of the pod, legend, one of the greatest TV writers of our time, has a new project coming soon. Filming has begun on The Sixth Commandment, a four-part true crime drama, which tells the story of um, Peter Falkar and Anne Moore Martin, who are in the village of Maidsmorton in Buckinghamshire, and their lives were invaded. I don't know if you remember this story. It was a really disturbing story by a young student called Ben Field. and he ba- and he and, and, I mean, he's... You know he's he's been convicted now, but um uh uh was murdered, and the cast is incredible. Timothy Spool Anne Reid. Now I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this correctly, but the guy the guy who plays Benfield is his name his first name is spelled E A double N A Hardwick. E, What do you reckon? I don't know. Anyway, um. Don't know. <laughs> so anyway, he is he is in it. Uh, Annabelle Scully <laughs> and, and Sheila Hancock. Incredible cast. Sarah Phelps writing the script. It is. It was a really interesting, disturbing story touching upon you know gaslighting and how people can take over other people's lives. Um, manipu- you know how you kind of manipulate people. Um, and so yeah, I'm really. It's. It, it sounds like a perfect um, project for Sarah Phelps because you know her insights into the dark depths of um humanity frankly and the human mind are are often phenomenal so yeah i think that's a re- very exciting project indeed the sixth commandment yes, is called i'm not sure amazing. if you've mentioned that the sixth commandment is, is the name of it thou shalt not kill that is the sixth commandment yeah yeah and one other, um and i don't know if i mentioned this before but queer as folk the new american version of queer as folk um a re- an absolute reboot Etc. of... Remember, there was a previous American version in the 2000s, in the early 2000s, of Russell T. Davis' original, and he ran for hundreds of episodes. Like, I think it was on Showtime in America. And it was quite a big hit. It went on for years and years, five, six seasons, I think. Now... It's back. And the first, the early reviews, I was looking at the reviews yesterday, arrives on Stars Play. Now, this is a classic, right? This show, Crews Folk*, The New Cruise Folk, is made for Peacock in America. And even though we've got Peacock here via our Sky um, platform, this is going to be on Stars Play. Hey, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what? why? Yeah. Uh, fuck knows in why. In two weeks. In two weeks. So yeah, it starts <laughs> on the 1st of July. I think it drops. Yeah. So we may or may not review it. But the early um, word on it is that it's excellent. And Russell T. Davis absolutely approves of the whole thing and thinks it's fantastic. Okay.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that is it then for news and probably time for our second guest. Anson Mount, of course, uh, may have been someone you first saw opposite. Britney Spears in 2002's Crossroads. But he has since become far better known as Hell on Wheels' Cullen Bohannon. Uh, Excellent show, that. Uh, As the Inhumans' Black Bolt less excellent show that uh, and more recently as captain christopher pike in season two of star trek discovery and now obviously the spin-off show star trek strange new worlds which drops on paramount plus here in the uk next week along with checks records almost every other show in existence uh, <laughs> now i very much wanted to geek out on all things trek with anson mount myself but i was away when this one took place so i beamed a mon down to take my place and to boldly go where i would have gone before
4: We're delighted to be joined on the Pilot TV podcast by the star of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Captain Pike himself, Mr. Anson Mount. Uh, Congratulations on the show. I've seen the first few episodes and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's great to see you back in the chair again. Uh, What was it like to get that call that you were coming back for a new show that would be focused on Pike? Was there a surprise there? Or was it more like, yes, I finally get to uh, do this again?
3: Uh, You know, I was just telling somebody, the other day that I realized it is three years to the month since Alex Kurtzman called me and said, I think we got a show. And it, and it, uh, it, it came about because we were talking about uh, doing the short tracks. And I had a couple of concerns about it that I wanted to talk to him about. And he was like, you know what? Let me think about it. Let me call you back. And he called me back like the next day and said i think we've we've got a show but apparently he and akiva had been talking about developing something around pikes from uh before i was cast which i'm glad they didn't tell me that <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, it 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 happened um not quickly but you know how tv development is very slow and then of course we had COVID. uh but it feels really good to realize that we're, everybody's going to be seeing what we've done in just a couple of weeks.
4: Now, once you got that green light, was one of your demands that you get to keep your beard for at least one
3: scene? <laughs> <laughs> it's a magnificent beard. So, 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 so I would understand that that's the case. No, I don't think my wife would have allowed me to, to demand that. Um, and I, I, had enough of, I had enough of the beard during, during Hell on Wheels. Uh, I had a... I, had, I think I'd even shave and my, I've shaved my COVID beard, my pandemic beard. uh, And I, then I had to grow it back. For oh,
4: wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, really nice beard. One of the more interesting things about this show uh is that Pike has had a vision of his death in the future. We actually saw that in Star Trek Discovery. How does that influence his actions in this series?
3: Yeah, Alex Kurtzman and I had a big conversation about that. Uh Early on, because it, it seemed to me that you can't get into a Pike-led series starting uh, right after season two of Discovery without dealing with that exact question: what What is it? What would it do to a person to to know their future, um, and and how will that uh, how will that affect them going forward? Is it, uh, does it make them hesitant? Does it make them Overly bold, uh, is will it, you know, the big question for Pike is how is it going to affect his captaining? Um, so yeah, there's there is a crisis of I'm not sure if you call it an identity, not an identity crisis, not an existential crisis. I guess it's kind of a temporal crisis that he is having to deal with right at the, the top of the show. And, uh, I think the writers did a very good job of not just uh, sidestepping it as quickly as possible, but to really deal, to, to dwell on that question for a while. Sorry, that's my my family <laughs> up the stairs behind me. Now.
4: All good. It's a beautiful dog you got there. Uh, yeah. So as an actor, you often have to work and just imagine the CGI, which will be added in post, but right. I think for Strange New Worlds, you had an AR wall. Yeah. Can you explain what that is and how much it helps with your performance compared to other projects when you don't have that available to you.
3: Yeah, it's pretty wild. I, I, I'd say the majority of people know and understand green screen technology. So this is really the the uh, this is the next uh, step in that technology. It's not even a step; it's a leap. So imagine, if you will, walking into a very large sound stage, which is basically a giant black box theater, right? And there. The walls are curved and you, you sort of, the first thing you walk, when you walk in, you see the back of this wall and it's a, you, it's a series of networked, high definition screens, thousands. And then you walk around that and into the space and you, you walk into the CG environment that's already been created before we're shooting the, oh, the scene. Usually when green screen technology, you're shooting on a green screen, all you see is a green screen. You have to imagine the environment the 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 cgi artists make it later this one we make it before and we're working in the the space that we're portraying as well as not just the walls but the ceiling and it's uh it's it's a crazy piece of technology uh really changes the game the what you end up getting is more interactivity between the performers on the stage and the CG environment itself, because suddenly you have not just a background, you have, you have a space and it's uh, it, it's a, it, it takes some getting used to because everything, everything makes sense to the camera lens. So when the camera moves, you know, the, the, the background is will move and is layered in such a way to make it look like the objects in the screen are as far away as you want them to look. So when the camera moves, the background. Moves. So mm. you have an as an actor <laughs> very prepared that the entire world is shifting and how to deal with that. Uh yeah, it's it and it look I've seen the product, you've seen the product. Right. It looks, right. I mean, obviously in a very large part of episode two. You saw us working on them yeah. on that stage.
4: No, it looks incredible.
3: Um, so, Starfleet is all about rising to the
4: occasion in difficult circumstances. In, in, in a in the sense, all of you guys are just incredible problem solvers all across the crew. Which I and I love that about the show. Was there any instance while working on the show that you had to overcome a problem, and how did you do so?
3: Yeah, I mean well, I mean, you just you just defined filmmaking, my friend. It, it <laughs> is. Uh, it is uh, to say that you're going to try and create your own little piece of reality is the most hubristic thing that man has ever done. Um, it's Murphy's law, you know. Filmmaking, I often say, is it's Murphy's law in practice. It, it, anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and it's it's part of why I love it. Is you have to improvise um, behind the camera as well as as much as on. Obviously, the 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 the, the elephant in the room with that question is is COVID. Uh, and right. we've, we've had to, um, essentially all production has had to create an entirely new department and it's very expensive and it can be, um, time consuming, uh, in it, but it's very, very important. We've managed to roll with those punches and get through it without, um, we haven't really shut down. Uh, you hear about productions all the time getting shut down because of because of COVID. We've managed to, to slog through. And um, um, so I feel incredibly safe uh, at work here with CBS and Paramount.
4: So one of the things I did while prepping for this interview is watch the blooper reel for Star Trek Discovery, which is very, very funny because <laughs> there's so much space gobbledygook in the dialogue that you guys have to figure your way around was there any particular words uh, or lines of tech speak uh, in this show that you, that you found challenging uh, when you're working on uh,
3: it, You know, it's, it's a lot like doing a med- medical procedural in that you're given these very long lines of talking about things that you, have, you don't understand what they are. The difference is that on a medical procedural, they always hire a consultant who's an off-duty nurse or doctor who can explain what all these things are. So, you can get a mental image of them and suddenly it makes sense. You have something to lock onto. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have that on Star Trek because none of these things exist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yet>. Right. Okay. <laughs> you kind of have to be your own consultant and make them up as you know, go, <laughs> just so that they have some kind of substance in your mind. And, um, uh, but that's, it's, I find that fun. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a voracious science fiction reader. So I I like to play with that stuff. Yeah.
4: Uh, One thing which has always been true of Star Trek is uh, the captain keeping a log, a diary. Do you keep any sort of diary uh, for yourself? Have you ever considered doing that?
3: Uh, I've been keeping an on-again, off-again journal for, oh gosh, probably almost 20 years. Um, No, I mean, I haven't... um, I haven't really kept a a journal of this job per se, but um, um, it's it's happening to overlap with my becoming a father for the first time. So there's documentation uh, by proxy there.
4: Captain Pike, one of the best things about him is how good of a leader he is. What has playing him taught you about good leadership and have you found yourself in that role when the cameras aren't rolling? I
3: think I've learned that Perhaps the greatest leadership quality is is empathy, and Pike has that, and is he has a bottomless pit of that. And I think it's also, at least in the world of Star Trek, it's an incredible quality to have when you are out there following what I kind of believe is the mandate of mankind, which is to um, to experience the universe. You know, Carl Sagan said it's best we are star stuff. And I, and not to bring up an old adage, but I do believe it's true. We are the universe experiencing itself. So I do believe that we have a mandate to discover. There's something. There's something at the root of that instinct that we have to walk out beyond the campfire light, see what it is that's out there. Uh, there, I've always found it fascinating that humanity, as a whole, you know, you can, you can come to major governments with, a, with the most expensive projects in mankind's history space exploration. And everybody kind of says, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that. Let's, let's put a man on Mars. Let's do that. That makes sense. What? <laughs> that makes no <laughs> sense at all. <laughs> but we all agree that there's something to that that we should be doing. And I think that, that Star Trek taps right into that basic, maybe even primordial instinct that we have to, to explore. I agree. I agree. And to Mel, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you.
0: So it is time now for the reviews and where to begin except with Miss Marvel which we weren't able to see last week. But we do have Miss Marvel this week, which dropped on Disney Plus on Wednesday last week, along with that uh, episode of Obi-Wan, uh, because they're trying to kill us by dropping two of these seasons <laughs> at once. <laughs> um, and this stars Iman Vellani as the MCU's latest recruit, Kamala Khan, who ends up joining the kind of super-powered ranks thanks to her nan's mystical bangle, you know, as you do. So, Beth, embiggen this up for us, if you'd be so kind.
1: Yeah, oh, gladly. I um, I had such a nice time of this show, just such a nice time. Hmm. And I've told you, I've I've just got a real appreciation for nice, lights over nasty at the moment. No one got
0: tortured. No one got disemboweled.
1: <laughs> no one died horribly. No one's eyeballs exploded while levitating above <laughs> the loved ones. You know, over the course of like a four-hour episode. Not you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> this was absolutely lovely. It was fun. It was vibrant. It was just unashamedly sweet and sentimental. And I had a lot of fun watching it. I've said before, and I know this this probably irks a lot of like proper Marvel fans, but I have I have a much better time with the shows than I do the films. I like that they can be bold and. Uh, <laughs> I like me bold, bold and, ambitious. It. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they can be ambitious and they can do fun stuff with tone and format and get away with it whereas you know the, the films have to take themselves a little bit more seriously a lot of the time um and this just gets to be the kind of show I used to watch as part of, like, live and kicking on a Saturday morning. You know, that's the kind of thing that, as a kid, I would have absolutely loved, and as a grown-up, I still do. And I think a large part... The look and feel of the show is really fun. Um, They do some really, like... I guess it is quite gimmicky, some of the way that they kind of externalise, like whatsapp conversations or you know they do it in quite fun sort of y ways but i really like the heightened world that they've created for kamala khan so she's um a new jersey native um living as part of this like tight-knit uh family which comes with all the the problems of being a tight-knit family and all the, the perks as well um and she you know idolizes carol Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, of course, um and that's kind of her escape from reality where she's, you know, kind of on the outskirts of her high school kind of community and she's, you know, just not really fitting in. She's very conflicted over what she wants to do, who she wants to be, but through this, you know, the, the the poster girl on her wall, she gets to kind of escape and and be somebody that she wants to be. And and I really hear for that as well. Um it looks great. Yeah, the casting is great. So Iman Vellani, um, who hasn't been in anything before to my knowledge, is just great. She's very sweet. I really like that she's not very polished as a performer. Which isn't a slight tool. I like. I really like that she's sort of quite mumbly and um, kind of ambles along and has like quite nice comedic timing. But she is, you know, it comes across that she's quite nervous and, um, you know, it it just suits her character very well. Um, so yeah, really, really on board. Loved it. Lo- I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. It does skew quite young, I will say. Um, but oh, where's the where's the harm in that? You know, I think it's yeah. Joyful and and sometimes a little bit silly and it looks really nice and yeah I like it a lot.
2: Void. Well, as I've kind of indicated on uh, <laughs> on WhatsApp messages, <laughs> I was I was fairly dreading <laughs> this. I don't know why I was dreading it so much. Yeah, think, but you were like,
0: why are we reviewing this? Isn't yeah, it for kids? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I said, isn't it for kids? You know, I can so I can feel Jasper judging you as we record this. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Um, but I have to say, I it was an absolute delight. Yes. Um, hey! I could not believe quite how delightful it was. And I think not even skewing that young. I think it is skewed older than I expected as well. I just think it has a little bit of it. No, I noticed that. Misha K. Ali, who is the showrunner, who is a... I think she's in her early 30s. She's a British-Pakistani. She was a stand-up. I think she worked in the Ooh. writers' room on sex education. I feel there's a sex education-y tone to it sometimes, a little bit. Like, there is. there yeah, are scenes in definitely. the school. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not, it's not as um, edgily, you know... About sex, etc., relationships, but in the school scene, certainly in the way the dialogue and Beth, you often talk about how in the in the BBC and I think ITV world of youth <laughs> programs, the dialogue is is embarrassingly inauthentic. This dialogue feels authentic to me—a a fifty-something a, a, a <sighs> old man who has no finger on the pulse whatsoever. But it just worked for me. I think the way the the, the the kids interact, feels authentic and funny, and they're constantly riffing on. I mean, they're all obsessed. I like the idea of a Marvel basically comedy. You know, this is up until almost right towards the end when it gets it's, it then eventually gets into Miss Marvel having these special superpowers via a, um, a thing around her wrist. What's it called? That mm-hmm. thing around her wrist? A, a bangle. Uh, a bangle. Thank you. Um, up until then, it's pretty much a comedy about you know. young American Pakistani girl growing up in a family and the conflict between them and her and her best mate and and it was great, I loved it, I mean I could have just done with that. I don't need the whole superhero, her becoming a superhero with a bangle, with a magic bangle element. I would just be happy with her and the best mate and negotiating, you know, the traditions of her family and her wanting to mm. be a Marvel fan and all the fandom stuff. I thought, I loved all that. Um, I just thought it was really engaging, really sparkly directed, um, yes. you know, as opposed to, of course, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, yes. the difference could not be more greater, could it? This is like yes. full of vigor and vim. And it's fresh and it's colourful. Literally, there's animated bits, which I've seen. You know, I know oh, that you've seen that. before. This, the animated bits have been in loads of different shows going back years. But I thought the way they utilised all that was really clever and effective. I believed it. It felt authentic and um, the, ca- the characters felt real. Massive shout out, by the way, to, I think, to Marvel. Because people do judge um, them for various creative decisions. But to give Bishop K. Ali, who is, you know, a young British um, talent, free reign to do this show and to depict a Muslim family in America um, etc and in, in, it's fantastic I think it's brilliant that you know mm. the gatekeepers if you like have allowed her in and given her this show to run what an incredible responsibility mm. and I think she's done she's done a brilliant job From the, we only, I've only seen the first episode but I think that all of that is fantastic because they do get a bad rep I think from people who don't necessarily actually watch the stuff you know um, and not yes. everything uh- not everything that Marvel does is good and it's some of it's terrible Doctor Strange film recently um, Etc. <laughs> but but this is like a shining example to me, actually, of what can be done in the in the MCU and in in in, in, in and in the T and it makes the whole TV offshoot. It makes Disney Plus's Marvel World. Completely validates that for me because this is something that I think you probably wouldn't get as a big film. It's too much Mm. of a risk to put this, you know, to do a kind of two two hour film of this. But it works brilliantly as a TV show and very slickly, beautifully made. This doesn't feel in any way cheap to use, you know, James's current obsession. It doesn't. This does feel expensive and and lavish as much as it needs to be. Mm. Doesn't? It's not over the top, but just you know, it's very very. Snazzy, I would use that word, and engaging. So I'm loving it. I could not believe how much I liked the show. I was absolutely stunned. I stunned myself. Why are we reviewing this? Isn't it for kids?
3: (laughs) Just, (laughs) Just going back to that.
2: Just I apologise for being ignorant, <laughs> but at least I admit when I'm
0: wrong. I mean... oh, if I'm ever wrong, boy, I absolutely will do that. Mm. Um, no, I mean you're, you're both absolutely right. It's 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 lovely, and I think it's you know, is it fair to compare it to Obi Wan Kenobi? Possibly not, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I think it is. It's everything that's missing from Obi Wan Kenobi because um, the thing with this is it's not this. Certainly, the first episode, like I've seen the first two, the first episode is not a superhero episode. It is about a girl. It's a family. Hmm. comedy drama Uh, and you buy into the character relationships and the writing and the character work is so authentic and so layered and deep that it draws you in and it doesn't matter by the end of the episode whether she got superpowers or not because that's also incidental because you're just so sold on her life and her struggles and the dramas with her mum and her dad and how difficult it is for her growing up with You know, parents who have slightly more traditional values, and her trying to be a young sort of like Zuma kid. You know, it's it there. You know, and she's really funny with it as well, and just really you root for her so much, and she's so likable. And again, then you go back to Obi Wan, and the dialogue is stilted and bad, and there's no character work to speak of at all. And you just think, and I mentioned this on the spoiler specials, like you know, fuck lightsaber fights. I want to see Anakin and Obi Wan having a character moment. Like, sit them down, like Mm. eat across the table and have them have a discussion, Like that's what I want. And this has that kind of stuff. It has really detailed character work, and it's really fun, and, and you feel a part of her world, and her world as a young Pakistani Muslim living in Jersey is, you know, to a certain extent as alien to me as, you know, Captain Marvel's is, as like a <laughs> Cree fighter, do you know what? I mean? and, it's, and it draws you in, but it holds your hand through it, and it doesn't spoon-feed you. You understand what you need to understand, and some things will, of course, be lost because I'm not their target audience but it's a great little show and it's stylistic it you know has a lot of Edgar Wright going on in it. it it seemed you know had a lot of Scott Pilgrim it felt and some of the stylistic choices they made and um yeah I, I thought it was it was it's I mean it's a breath of fresh air I think for MCU stuff for people who have said like oh they get a bit yeah. stale of all this superhero stuff it is possible to do these things in very different ways and different flavors and I think that's what this is like Moon Knight was bold in that it used a very interesting character. But you could certainly argue that by the end of Moon Knight, it had become more familiar in terms of its beats. And, you know, this may do as well. But certainly the way this is starting, it feels very different. And and I think for that, uh, if nothing else, it is to be commended.
1: Was it Scott Pilgrim, She was watching on the telly?
0: Was she watching Scott oh, Pilgrim oh, on the telly? Maybe. I can't remember. Isn't oh, it? She's
1: she's upside down and she's watching. And then someone walks yeah. in, and it definitely looked like Michael Cera.
0: I can't remember. I know yeah. the scene you're referring to because yeah. I remember yeah. her being upside down and thinking that was. But I saw it a few weeks ago, so I can't actually remember. Yeah. But yes, quite possibly, and maybe that was a deliberate, you know, nod to the fact that it was a that it was an influence. But That's uh, really sweet. but it is great, and of course, Ms. Marvel is now the first episode has aired, but it is airing weekly on Wednesdays on Disney. Plus Plus. Next up this week we have Sherwood Now those expecting a modern retelling Of the Robin Hood fable might be a little bit thrown By the fact that the first image from the show Is Arthur Scargill uh, Which I must admit wrong footed <laughs> me ever so slightly uh, You know, But that is because This isn't an account of the Sherwood bandit But a kind of a story of miners, murder And Morrissey Specifically David Morrissey Who plays the show's investigating officer DCS Ian Sinclair Now this was inspired by real events But let's hear more about it from Boyd what a slick intro that was. Uh, what was it? Morrissey what? I feel your scorn.
2: Magic. Something rather mining. mining <laughs> Minus murder, murder and Morrissey. And Morrissey. That's brilliant. No, that I'm absolutely. The opposite of scorn. Um, I uh. am fascinated by this. This is very much. I mean, Beth going through her current anti-nasty TV campaign may not feel the same way. We'll find out. But I don't mind nastiness <laughs> at all. Bring it on. I mean, I'm fully in favour of nastiness. So this is quite <laughs> nasty. It's also really interesting, I think. It's got two, I think, main strands. Which is, so it's written by James Graham, who wrote Quiz, um, which I loved, and Brexit, the Uncivil War, the, the legendary mm. depiction um, of, by Ben <laughs> Cumberbatch of the horrendous man who ruined our lives with Brexit, Dominic Cummings. Um, and this is very much, I think part of the reason it's based on truth is, this is he kind of grew up in a mining village in Nottinghamshire. So a lot of it's based on his own observations of what that was like during the 80s, during the miners' strike. And it's absolutely true to say that I remember as a kid growing up and just constantly being watching news about the miners' strike and being shocked by how violent it got and how um, horrendous it was, the divisions between communities. I mean, and this part of the part of what this is about is how a, a small community is still riven by whether you supported the miners or whether you um, broke the picket lines and, you know, whether you were scab in inverted commas. Um, And all of that political undercurrent is fascinating to me. I think it's really interesting. On top of that, you've got basically what ends up being a traditional whodunit because someone is murdered in the first episode. I won't spoil it by saying who. And that person has very much, is very much in the middle of that Conflict is still going on within mining communities, so which side of that divide they are on in terms of supporting the strike or not. And um, you get a detective coming in, played by uh, David Morrissey, who was brought up in that area. So he knows the locals and he knows how to tread carefully on all the different um, sides of the political debate that's still going on. It's got an incredible ensemble. Um, Joanne Froggart plays this would be Tory politician who, um, and that kind of touches on the whole Red Wall situation where, you know, in the last election, suddenly. Dozens of com- dozens of communities, constituencies that have been Labour for all, all, all throughout history, almost suddenly turned because of Brexit. Mostly, and voted for Boris Johnson's Tories, and she's a kind of Johnsonian Tory. And the man she's marrying disapprove. His dad, played by Di Lactar, has his difficulty with her, and she's resented by a lot of the local community who are still staunchly socialist. Robert Glenister's in it as another cop who comes along, drafted in by the Met to help with the investigation and that's you've got that classic you know David Morris's cop presents the fact that this other guy has been brought in from London to help out and he doesn't need help and someone help Leslie Manville's in it as you know a fascinating mm. character Claire Rushbrook I mean all of the every single person in this ensemble you will recognise from classic British TV drama Stephen Tompkinson pops up I've watched the first 3 episodes and what I would say is the first episode I loved the first episode I think it, I I loved the whole world of it I'm going to use the milieu. I love the milieu. I'm fascinated by it. I think the characters are really interesting already. And I'm believing in all of these characters, this big ensemble. Love David Morrissey. But episode two, it all blows up. It all goes off. And the, and the ending of episode two, not only is there a whole new plot development, which is shocking and stunning and will have you reeling, there's also a new kind of theme which is about the whole idea of these undercover cops who this actually happened in the 70s they they sent the police sent people to go undercover in communities like this to pretend to be part of the labor left wing supporting um pro miners community and they were complete plants and they were and they and they ended up you know ruining some people's lives and that kind of arrives as a, as a as a as a theme much more in episode two and that's fascinating as well so there's so much going on i think in this and yet it doesn't feel it doesn't feel um that it's trying to do too much at all um but i do warn you that the episode two it all it gets really nasty Particularly for Beth in her current mood. If you in case you, I don't know if you've seen episode two um, because they're showing two a week, by the way. So it's going airing on Mondays and Tuesdays for the next few weeks, and I think it's fucking brilliant. I have to say, I really, I'm really impressed with it.
1: Yeah, I am airing that way. I mean, thank you for the thank you for the heads up for the second episode. I started watching it, and for some reason, I can't for the life of me think what it was. Just didn't finish it, uh, but have every intention of going back and watching it. I was so riveted by what i was watching so drawn into this small community i mean anything that has like a a political fabric to it anyway i think i I always find especially interesting i find that period incredibly interesting as well um i mean it's funny isn't it coming coming to that off the back of pistol which kind of pivots on that same kind of thatcherism and socialism and expressing themselves through that way and this obviously is set at that same time, but, but on a very, very different level, very different perspectives. Um, yeah, and I really liked how robust in that first episode almost every single one of those characters were. Mm. I think it's funny we were talking about the pronunciation of twat last <laughs> week when you think about Leslie Manville saying, Do I look like a twat? She gets some great lines in that oh, first she's episode, so good. Yeah. Um, She's so great. Um and she's got like a so she's a grandmother, isn't she, to um to um oh I forgot what the what what the family makeup is, but she's she's a grandmother in this who suddenly who has a lot to deal with in that first episode. Um, but yeah, I think it is it is it's like what I liked about the tourist is that every character has their own idiosyncrasies, they all have their own storylines, they're all very well thought out and have motives of their own beyond a plot. I think you know they 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 all come with their own specially formed sort of mini world if you will. Wow. Um and I liked that very much. And then yeah, in terms of just the beats of the the kind of thriller aspect of it were very very engaging. I I was, you know, kind of rooted to it. Um so yeah, I was really on board and a special shout out. So I don't know not enough people watch this film and I it makes me really sad. But if you go on Netflix uh, there's a a film called Ali and Ava which was Claire Barnard's mm-hmm. last film and it's Claire Rushbrook and Adil Akhtar who are both both in this so a yep. little Ali and Ava reunion yeah. for yeah. me um would he love that film
2: it's completely and they're both I mean I think Claire Rushberg is one of the most under. she's so brilliant I'm so it's so brilliant that she's got that she's in that film and yeah. she's got this and she's incredible in this as well and I just want to shout out for the director Lewis Arnold who also made Des um, and Time the brilliant Time and, and you've directed Ooh. Broadchurch there are similarities with Broadchurch a bit in terms of like a community where you know uh, all these different people are possibly suspects in this crime um, I think he's really talented as well but yeah
1: yeah, that makes sense with the pacing as yeah. well. Very, very taut. And very taut, considering yeah. it's it's like a small, like a small community with not a lot else going on. It really does draw some some tension out of that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It's like it's it's very layered and really well put together. It's just quite it's very dour in its tone. Uh which I found I found it quite hard to get through, I think. Um also i it became very apparent as it got towards sort of the very end of the first episode, that this first episode was not going to properly set up the show. That there was going... Like, it, like you don't get into it until episode two. And it's like... And I, by that point, I was like... It was starting to feel like hard work. Not because it's... again, it was a tonal issue I had with it more than a substance issue because the performances were great across the board, but I just found it quite oppressive. All the characters have this sort of slightly morose air to them and the victim in the first episode is, shall we say, a less than sympathetic character and I was not displeased when he was put out of certainly my misery uh, in this one, but uh, (laughs) you know, not being funny, but I found it just a little bit oppressive. But uh, but it was very well put together and I know exactly what you mean. Like, it's sorry that, I'm, I'm just being honest sensitive I'm just little being oh, you can't take it's, a bit of
2: grimness for fuck's sake grow up I, I
0: can't <laughs> take a bit of grimness it was a bit uh, it was a bit too grim and you know Thatcherite oh. uh, <laughs> but you know Unbelievable. very well put together it's an amazing cast of people in it like really great yeah. I mean yeah. uh, Joanne Frogger who you don't get to see an awful lot of in the first episode which is a shame because she is great I would like to see more of her as it goes on Adia Lactar who I love in all things obviously David Murray who's fantastic and uh, Kevin Doyle Mr Molesley uh, yes. in this as well so yeah great uh, great cast of people but it is oppressive so you know you have been warned uh, <laughs> show it then which comes to uh, BBC One on Monday the 13th at 9pm on BBC One and also on Tuesday at the same time finally this week we have the Lazarus Project which you have already heard about from the stars themselves and this comes to our screens courtesy of Giri Haji writer Joe Barton and revolves around such low key stakes as saving the entire world from assured destruction Beth did you have time? for
1: this.
0: Oh so my did God. That. It's good it's good. time it's good. You did. You did. It was
1: good a stretch. But you did it anyway. I did have time for this. I liked the, the so I think we're serving it a little bit short in that yeah, it's 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 time travel show. It does pivot on the concept of a division of people who utilize time travel to stop Apocalyptic threats—is that what we call it? I would say so. Yeah, Mm. like only the sort that would—it's like Eternals, essentially, isn't it? But (laughs) only, only, only—it's the same moral code. So it's like only if it is like the absolute, the nastiest of the nasty uh, extinction level apocalyptic. Extinction, yes. Extinction
0: level, level events
1: um, Yeah, so it's got that as this kind of overarching kind of concept It's like a sci-fi thriller in that respect But then also kind of cutting through that So as well there's this like, uh, there's th- the big baddie in this is um, Tom Burke Who was this kind of elusive um, rotter who is um doing all sorts of shady dealings to try and, and bring the on to it? he's kind of the main target um that they're trying to track down. So the protagonist is is, is Papa S.A.D. And I'm I'm really happy to see him in a proper leading uh role. So he's he's obviously amazing in like Gangs of London. He was, I mean, not that you'd be able to confirm <laughs> James, but he was absolutely brilliant in I May Destroy You. Yes, like yes. what a big breakthrough role that was, honestly. Um and uh and he was he was did the best he could in men, I think is what I'll say there.
3: <laughs> With
1: this, he gets to do an awful lot. And I, I kind of love that. He has to do lots of big action set pieces and things. There's a really great motorcycle chase sequence in this um first episode. Uh and he handles that all like superbly. But for me, I really love there's a a love story kind of baked into it all where um So he's in a relationship, a uh, long-term relationship with a woman called Sarah, played by Charlie Clive. And so initially he has to, it, it is like a Groundhog Day scenario. He does wake up again, sort of to an alarm clock, and and they relive what was a pretty great day for them. He he has to relive again with a slightly different outcome. But what is really great is the chemistry between the two of them as a pair. And I'm not going to go into spoilers. Their relationship. There's a lot of different outcomes, a lot of different iterations of what happens between them but as a as a nuanced kind of couple everyday couple they are brilliant but also have tons of chemistry as well it's not to say they're kind of just sat in front of the pick in the noses they are they are very very well cast together um and i just i think he's a, a really really engaging interesting british actor and i'm glad that he's got a big juicy role like this um, I was worried the show wasn't going to come out. It was it was postponed, wasn't it? Mm. I think because um, some of the plot lines were a little bit close to some world events happening. But now it's coming out. I'm really glad that we get to see him in a proper proper leading role. I think he's definitely the selling point for this.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I, I was on board with this very early on, I have to say. I mean, well, another week, another incredible week for TV. I know it sounds like I'm being overly mm. positive about everything, but... I mean, this is a spectacular... First of all, th- uh, again, I'm hoping... I'm, I'm going to anticipate... If James says this, th- th- this looks cheap, I'm going to have to kill him because this looks very expensive <laughs> and, you <laughs> know... The, as you say, the the bike chase is spectacular. The explosions are spectacular. Mm. The nuclear, you know, b- apocalyptic moments are, are amazing. Um, yeah, it just looks um, incredible, and I love the premise. I think the premise is so clever because it does take the Groundhog Day. I mean that the Groundhog Day thing device has been used myriad films and TV shows, right? Yeah. But mm. this has we did a
0: whole podcast on time
2: loop movies, right? And this has well there you go this has a whole reason an explanation for why someone might get involved in a time loop rather than just you know because often those things don't often they just say this is just the thing this is what you know it's happening and you just have to you know this is what's happening to the character and they're in a Groundhog Day situation and that's the premise whereas this is like this guy's in a Groundhog Day situation and here's why and here's the explanation and the explanation is fascinating in itself and then you get to the whole Lazarus project itself uh, led brilliantly I think by Caroline Quentin brilliant casting there like Mm. unlike Slightly odd casting because you think of Caroline Quentin as being this effectively like a mainstream ITV, as as James would put it, you know, in a patronizing way, ITV drama (laughs) actor. Um, just unlikely, brilliantly unlikely, but but it works really well. Uh, her mm. character, um, Papa Siedio as you say, as Beth says, is fantastic. Just like, kind of like, without doing much, she's got a really like interesting delivery, like a kind of. He just, it just, it he just is very convincing. As this kind of, you just believe he's the kind of guy who initially is setting up his own tech startup thing, and like, yeah, he's gonna have an app, and you know, he just whole, <laughs> he, he just fits into the whole world of it very well. Um, yeah. I think it's brilliantly written by Joe Barton. I love this quote he said on Twitter about, about he said, don't write anything with time travel in it, it would be my advice if you want to keep your stupid fucking brain from dribbling out your ears. Except, <laughs> and, and I know what he means, because once you start getting into this whole world of reversing time and what are the rules and when can you and can't you do it, and in episode two, there's quite a long discussion with Angie Mahindra's character and Papa S.A.'s character about what Represents a valid reversal of time and what doesn't, and why you can and can't do it sometimes. Um, uh, for even you know when, they, depending on the extinction level event that they're dealing with, all of that is so well dealt with because it is very clear at the moment. It's I, I have a clarity about this time travel stuff that I don't necessarily always do in other depictions of time travel. So I think he's actually done it really well. It's got he's mm. always peppers his stuff, his dialogue with like wryly funny little moments, which of, of, of observations of normal life if you like in between all the hardcore high concept sci-fi stuff um so i just i think it's really good and and brilliantly directed by marco kreunz who is a german <laughs> guy who directed a, a show called beat which i recommended i remember on this very podcast years ago in the also out section um it's a german it's like a berlin nightclub thriller and it's really good. Um, and I think it's on Amazon Prime, From if I can remember, Prime Video. So he's great. He ducks it very, very well. Uh, I'm really
0: impressed with that. I can't wait to see the rest, I have to say yes I, I very much want to see the rest it's made me quite upset that there's only three episodes available yeah. <laughs> to screen in advance and I was like no I need more than this what are you doing to me uh, yeah it's it's really I mean it's, I'm very much here for this just the whole concept the whole setup of it but the execution is extremely extremely good and extremely compelling and I think again part of it does rest on partly puppet part as he his performance because I think he's, he's really charismatic and he carries that very very well and even when he like goes through his slightly crazy phase in the first episode like you're totally on board with him, but Anjali Mahindra is really really good in this as well, and I think the dynamic between those two is great so yeah, I'm uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of this, I will definitely watch all of this, so it's yet another thing which is becoming an obstacle <laughs> between me and getting back to medical school but all I'm going to say is just blame people for making good telly, because it's not my fault so, there you go, I'm absolving myself of all responsibility for that uh, but the Lazarus Project does land on SkyMax and... Now, of course, uh, on Thursday, the 16th of June. And that is it for this week. What else is out, Boyd? Oh my God, there's
2: a lot out. I warn you now. There's a lot. Firstly, there is Suspect, which was delayed from a few weeks ago, actually, by Channel 4. It's a big, um, I'd get quite high concept crime drama with James Nesbitt, who is investigating the death of his own daughter. Which the uh, initially um, the uh, he's told is a suicide. He doesn't believe it, and he kind of launches an investigation. And each episode is I think it's eight episodes, and it's going it's stripped across the week. So it starts next Sunday, and then it shows Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in double bills. Each episode's half an hour long. Beth. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and h one focuses on him interrogating a different suspect. And it's got a star studded cast: Jolie Richardson, Neve Algar, oh, Sam Hugan, is that how you pronounce it? From out of Sam uh, Huen,
0: Huen? from uh, Outlander,
2: Outlander, Sasha Dewan, who was the master in the last series of Doctor Who, Richard E. Grant, Anne-Marie Duff. I mean incredible cast oh wow yeah really really strong cast and um, uh, uh, James Nesbitt in great form himself as the kind of grizzled very very grizzled I've never seen Nesbitt with so much facial hair Um, (laughs) and so I've watched the first episode I'm really interested in it yeah so that's next Sunday um, on Channel 4 which we didn't have time to review and I think it might even be um, it might even be embargoed in which case me saying it's really really good just ignore that but it is really really good Um, McDonald and Dodds is back which is a very um, nice ITV version of crime drama with Jason Watkins um, and Talia Gouveia um, as a kind of mismatched pair. Um, they are two-hour-long um, episodes. Alan Davis is in the first one. It's definitely something that James has never watched in a million years, but um, huh. I quite liked previous <laughs> series of this. There's a Grenfell two-parter, um, which I think on actually, which was started. On Sunday, as you get as this podcast on carries on on Monday, and this is a TV, this is a dramatization using verbatim excerpts from the hearing into Grenfell, but it's but performed by oh actors, God. performed by actors. So it's really interesting um, how, and, and you will see, you know, if you haven't been following the Grenfell inquiry, this is a really interesting way, I think, to digest it in a kind of drama, in a TV drama form. So that's going to be really interesting. The summer I turned pretty is the appallingly titled, I think. Yeah. Why uh, oh a. Drama starting on Friday on Prime Video from Jenny Han, who um, is a very very popular YA writer, I believe. Like her stuff is sells gazillions, um, and this is a coming of age drama um, about a teen love triangle. I think, um, but that'll probably be huge actually for Prime Video. Uh, love Victor is back <laughs> on Wednesday, the final, final season. season of Love Victor. Yeah, mm. final season. Uh, There's a thing called God's Favourite Idiot, which is um, Ben Falcone and his wife, Melissa McCarthy. And let me say now, all of the previous um, things they've done together have been terrible but maybe I haven't seen this one yet so maybe it's actually quite good. God's favourite idea on Netflix. That's Netflix on the 15th. Yeah um, I haven't finished yet nearly finished. There's a film about Glastonbury <laughs> next Sunday which I've seen called 50, Glastonbury 50 Years and Counting a documentary and I know James is very excited about the Glastonbury Festival this year particularly. Um, oh yes yeah, couldn't, couldn't be more excited. But this is a absolutely excellent documentary from the guy who did the David Bowie. Did you see David Bowie Five Years? He, it was really good Francis Watley mm. or Wake and it's a really interesting history of Glastonbury with going, like stuff you wouldn't completely have forgotten about. Like It used to be really radical, edgy, You know, now it's like this mainstream, obviously, thing, um, but it used to be a completely different thing. Um, that's on next Sunday, 9 o'clock BBC Two.
0: Right. What does that
2: make our pick of the week? Oh, my God. Wow.
1: It's a good week. I'm yeah. going to say Ms. Marvel.
0: I'm going to say Sherwood, but they're all great. I'm
1: going to say The Lazarus
0: Project Ooh. just to give an even spread and also because I really liked it mm. well that's it for another show as ever if you do wish to help our bid for global domination even a tiny bit then we do please ask that you leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and or the pod. well not and or because that would be ridiculous and that show's not out yet mm. but uh, and or the podcast platform of your choice uh, unless of course you're Jasper the dog in which case feel free <laughs> to not uh, and you can find us on the socials at Pilot TV Pod as well as at James T Dyer at Boyd Hilton and at Beth K. Webb now out next week <laughs> oh god next week we're going to have our work cut out for us because Paramount Plus launches over here via Sky and now on the 22nd of June and they are bringing with them an avalanche of shows including <gasps> Star Trek Strange New Worlds Halo The Offer Yellowstone 1883, Mayor of Kingtown the First Lady, the Man Who Fell to Earth and frankly a thousand other things Uh, so we're going to make a concerted effort to cover off the best of those while also dealing with everything else heading towards the airwaves as well so it's going to be a busy week maybe get some rest and we'll see you then Pilot Out